everybody and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. It's volume 4, issue 155. You can play along with Cane and Rinse volume 4 and coming up we have games that are in many ways nothing like Silent Hill 2, including Diddy Kong Racing, Skylanders, <laughs> Nights into Dreams. Then we have uh, a couple of weeks off for Christmas and the New Year to spend with our families. Then we return with Silent Hill 3. And after that, it's Spelunky. You can head to canarince.com for the full schedule, the blog, and the links to our merchandise store, and our Facebook page, and our Google Plus page, such as it is, and our excellent YouTube channel, which is full of quick rinses from the games we feature on the podcast and other games that we don't. Uh, mainly hosted by the wonderful Darren Gargett, but uh, with a few of the rest of us pitching in from time to time as well. And we also have a sister podcast to this one, which is dedicated to our love of video game soundtracks from throughout the history of the medium. Sound of Play, you'll need to search for that separately to seek it out, or you can just listen to it or download it from the website. It's an iTunes number one hit, don't you know? Uh, And if you can always remember to try to subscribe to us on iTunes, both podcasts, that'd be great. uh, And also rate and review our two podcasts on there. It's very helpful to us, uh, helps us get noticed and makes us feel warm and tingly inside. Thank you for your attention. Now joining me, Leon Cox, in this knockabout japes... Uh, No, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) Joining me, Leon Cox, in this very serious and sombre issue, it's Joshua Garrity. Hello there. And Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. It's uh, the kind of issue where we need to issue, indeed, a big spoiler warning uh, Mm. in red capitals and emboldened. Um, There probably aren't that many people after 13 years who are still interested in playing Silent Hill who haven't, but I was one of those people just a couple of weeks ago, um, even though I'd started it we'll get into this multiple times i'd never finished it and i knew i think i had picked up over the years a certain amount about what what happens within it but it is a game that can be spoiled particularly uh in one or two key plot areas so you have been duly warned konami publishes this game we know that uh and developer was just known really as uh team silent within from within konami computer entertainment tokyo uh, this game first came out for the PlayStation 2 in uh, September 2001 in North America and Japan. Again, oddly, America got it just uh, this time just three days before the Japanese release where it was actually made. And in Europe, we had to wait until November, a couple of months later, for a slightly slow but mostly full screen version. Um, but it did render that already fairly slow pace of the combat that just that little bit slower. We had to wait until Silent 3 for a 60 hertz option anyway uh, same old bugbears um the producer was uh, sorry the director was no longer uh, toyama san he had moved mm. on and so uh, masashi tsuboyama um was promoted from within um he's uh, somebody who i think i mentioned last time as having uh, his earlier uh, konami credits um on uh, tw- uh the twin b rpg um but he was a background designer on Silent Hill and was promoted to director on Silent Hill 2. Um, and I suppose, uh, as well as producer Akihiro Imamura, one of the key 
Uh, well, t- probably two of the key people really uh, that we should acknowledge with Silent Hill Two are the writers, because that uh, uh, you know, having played through this game, and obviously we'll get deep into this. Uh, for me, one of the key differences between the first game and the second game is that this one is uh, feel, felt to me like it has more of a point, more of a coherent concept. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels less like a mishmash of sort of different influences from horror and actually like it wants to be its own thing. So Hiroyuki Awaku and uh, Takayoshi Sato, um, again, obviously Konami employees of note. Um, Awaku in particular, um, I think, uh, and, you know, continued to work on the series for for a while longer, but um, we'll find out that as we go through the, uh, through the series with the, with the future podcasts. Um, a director's cut of Silent Hill 2 was released um, in, uh, in in the UK. It was re-released on the um, the, the silver platinum la- label, the budget label. So it was uh, the, the second release of this game in, in February two, uh, 2003 in Europe was, uh, was that. So you got a better game for your budget price um, or a bit more game. Maybe not better. We'll talk about that later. Um, there was an Xbox version which came out in... Uh, late 2001 in America, early 2002 in uh, Japan and for some, oh yeah, because because the Xbox wasn't out yet in Europe we had to wait until October Hmm. Uh, the American version was called Restless Dreams which uh, makes sense if you've played the game and the the EU version was called Inner Fears which makes less sense does it actually (laughs) relate to any quote from the game? I'm not sure it does Uh, my my um, yeah, my mistake if it doesn't. And there was also a PC version, hurrah! Uh, December <laughs> to uh, two thousand two in America, and February in uh, two thousand three. The PC version had a few uh, tweaks and differences. It had the director's cut content, as you'd expect. Um, I'm sure you could uh, play it in a much higher resolution. Um, uh, but I think one of the key things that I didn't know about this was uh, they took away the. Um, well, I don't know if they're still in there, but you didn't have to use the save points in the PC version. It had the standard PC mechanic of you being able to save anywhere, which huh. in some wow. ways I would say welcome. But I don't know about you two, but I think one of the key things to, to real survival horror is that feeling of uncertainty as to when you're going to find another save point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, for, for me, I think that would actually worsen the experience because the relief you feel when you see that red paper is, yes, yeah. yeah, oh, God, God, thank God, I can <laughs> leave this nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, the PC version I was looking on eBay today, uh, certainly in these parts, around these parts, it fetches uh, a lot of money. Like, you can buy the, the PS2 Director's Cut version for, uh, you know, a, a tenner or less, um, whereas the PC version oh. is sort of like ten times that, uh, five maybe five times that plus, so hmm. uh, it's it's a it's a rare one, uh, or or yeah, certainly more expensive one anyway. Yeah. And then of course uh, in 2012, <clears throat> around the world, March and April, uh, Xbox 360 and PS3 Silent Hill Collection, hmm. um, controversial for many reasons. Um, not much of a collection was the first reason. Two and <laughs> yeah. It was two games out of what was a series of about six at that point. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, yes, just two and three. Um, and particularly uh, the developers um, whose name escapes me. Hijinx? 
high jinx high sounds jinx good to me. <laughs> yeah, um, they had been. It, it was rather like going back to the old days of um, coin op conversions on the Amiga, where the developers had to basically look at the game and do it from scratch. You know, like here's the game, um, here's maybe a bit of code, and here's, you know, here's some assets, <laughs> yeah. and you you bolt it all back together. That's as I understand it, anyway. Um, but by all accounts, they made a bit of a, a bodge of it. Um, yeah. yeah, things like it's the a- fog were actually missing completely from the 360 <laughs> version. Um, the fog was not there purely as a uh, as a uh, you know as a a thing to mask the performance of the game this time around. The fog is is a very key uh, mm. element to the to the atmosphere. I would suggest. Um, so the 360 version, I think, got one patch that didn't do a lot to sort the the situation out the ps3 mm. version did get fixed to a point but i think it's still regarded as like the worst way to play silent hill 2 uh despite obviously higher resolution graphics and stuff like that did did, did either of you actually muddle through it in in this form oh yeah yeah i okay. bought it i bought it day one because i was yeah you know it's silent hill hd and by that time we had like the god of war collection and the metal gear hd and all these really good up-res versions of games and then here comes silent hill which sounds oh man yeah day one so yeah. I, I um forced my way through silent hill 2 okay so it, well, yeah please your 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 full and frank experiences with with the hd version yeah um, oh man it's um it's it's a it's travesty if i'm totally wow. honest like okay. it's that bad it, the, the the frame rate is like it goes all over the place like it'll be You'll enter a room and it'll look like it's sixty frames, and then you'll start walking and it jumps to twenty, and it <clears throat> it'll mm. go. The performance is just ridiculous, and the there's a whole bunch of stuttering just while walking or running. Like he'll just run a little bit and then stop moving, and then run a little bit more and stop moving. Um, a lot of the voices are out of sync during cutscenes. Yeah, so they uh, went to the trouble of re-recording a lot of the yeah. dialogue or all of the dialogue. <laughs> the, um, yeah, but, yeah, totally. They did all but new it voices. Sounded like uh, I've heard it wasn't exactly a massive improvement. If if not, in some some people have said it was actually inferior. Yeah, I mean it's it, you can tell it's a little more professional sounding. Okay. Um, but at the same time, like that's not one of the things that I think most people were looking for a change in. You know, I, I, no one really was wanting an update to the, the voice acting because it, it in a way, even though it's still kind of stilted because of the time period it came out, it kind of fits the whole dreamlike narrative and. Mm. Or at least I think so, and yeah. um, for them to give it new voices seemed like a. It seemed like they they weren't exactly aware of what made Silent Hill two what it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that that's what I haven't played it myself, but I've heard all the horror stories and 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 just mm-hmm. what I've gathered from everything that goes wrong with Silent Hill two, especially, is it just seems like they didn't understand why people loved that game. Like, how could you? Yeah. leave the yeah. fog in the state that it was that is so key to the atmosphere yeah. of the game <laughs> and then just yeah to mm-hmm. just you know shove it out the door with you know be, being yeah. able to see like the textures loading in behind the fog and yeah. stuff like that that's that's really disgraceful yeah i wonder i mean yeah it's hard to know sort of who's who's to blame most it sounds like konami sure, may have been more course. to blame than hijinks yeah um, i would think judging so. by the support they gave them and, and obviously they were willing it's that they published it in the end if they mm-hmm. didn't think it was fit for purpose they should have taken that up with hijinks and you know worked to, to to sort it out and it does as i say i i guess you played it before they f- did finish with the final patch on the ps3 yeah, which yeah. apparently does 
um, at least address some of the it frame rate issues bit. and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. but um, but there it is. So probably um, yes, to be avoided by and large if if you really want to get the, the you know the the real Silent yeah. Hill experience. Unfortunately, it's probably the easiest way to get it too. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but as I say, having looked on eBay um, for researching this podcast, there's plenty of copies of the budget priced Silent Hill 2 director's cut but it's whether you've got a machine you know I know a lot mm-hmm. of people get yeah. rid of their old generation machines you crazy fools um, to, so, you know because it, it can leave you in, in a situation like this um, yeah it's kind of a shame the PC version isn't as far as I know isn't available on um, any of the you know the many PC download mm-hmm. services um, please somebody tell me if that's if that's not the case so, but certainly yeah. I was co- yeah. I just got a new PC and I just I was like well, one of the first things I looked for and I couldn't yeah. find it so yeah. yeah yeah you're looking at seventy dollars eighty eighty dollars on a year yeah. or something um, yeah. one of the other things I just remembered about the PC version which does sound to me like a like a, a an improved tweak over the um, over the save anywhere thing is the fact that you can um, I assume via keyboard you can select weapons without going into the menu, so uh, you can yeah. select stuff on the fly, which certainly would kind of speed things up a little in combat. Yeah, yeah that, that's a change I can I can get on board with. Like because yeah. mm. after a certain point, like going into the menus is just tedious rather than yeah. tension building. Mm. Right, let's get into the game itself, the the real deal, Silent Hill Two. The themes that this game covers are quite dark for a video game. Yeah. I think that's one of the key things that strike struck me. Um, Silent Hill is a it was a you know a creepy game, and it was nasty, and it was and it had nasty things in it, and it had you know this terrifying soundtrack and all that. But ultimately, I found it was a, a slightly incoherent mishmash of Mm -hmm. as i said earlier just kind of you know horror ideas that have been thrown together um you know in some ways successfully but in other ways i came away thinking oh okay (laughs) that's that's all the (laughs) stuff that happened and obviously had the multiple endings and that sort of thing but this one it from the from the off although you don't know the full story from the off obviously you know that you're you're in the territory of a man who believes he has received a message from his dead partner, his dead wife from beyond the grave. And you're going into Silent Hill to uh, where they where they used to stay to meet her. Um, and I think um, we should start here with uh, our histories of the game, really. So my um, my experience of this game is buying it over and over and over again and playing that opening section from where you start in the the toilet just outside uh silent hill and doing Mm -hmm. that bit where you walk down and down the path which seems to take forever and you can hear things scratching (laughs) away in the undergrowth in the fog and of course the first you know first times you play it you don't know that you can't be hurt at this point necessarily i mean maybe (laughs) maybe years of exposure to video games has told me that you're not going to get into combat before you've even been given a weapon. But yeah. back then it was just, you know, and, and the, the sound design, the, 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 the Akira Yamaoka sound again, right from the very off is just utterly spine chilling. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I bought this game on launch day on PS2. Um, and, uh, I played it 
got about an hour in maybe or, or two hours in you know ended up distracted on the back burner um ended up trading that version at some point um got the re-release i think at one point got the xbox version at one point got the silent hill collection at some point which was the the non-hd collection which was two three and four um ended up playing to a similar point in all of those and then never getting much further never got further than the apartment blocks at least and I still, to this day, don't know why. Um, over 13 years, I've owned it at least four or five times. And it's taken until 2014 to get beyond all those points and to have the motivation of this doing doing this podcast to finish it. And I only finished it uh, last night. So, um, as I say, we'll hopefully, maybe we'll, we'll try and explore why that might have been. Because I don't think it was simply that I didn't like it. I think maybe, again, it was just one of those i think part of it may have been that as much as i embrace that horror that that grim rich thick atmosphere it wasn't necessarily mm-hmm. always some place i wanted to be some, exactly. something yeah. i wanted to be doing yeah. um i don't know we'll, we'll we'll think about that some more um sean now mm. you 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 said uh, when we did silent hill one a month ago um in issue 151 i believe uh that's mm. uh, it was a rental for you it was a it was a it was a rental so but here we are here we are two years on where you appear a proud ps2 owner and did you did you rush out and buy this one this is going to be my mo for most of these games until about homecoming but so this came out like 2001 so it was my first year of college i think and I had a much more social life than I do now (laughs) and uh, (laughs) before then. So I kind of, I didn't really play anything day one. Um, I, and I honestly don't remember the first time I played Silent Hill two. It, it, it was on the Xbox. So it must, it was at least a year later. Um, and much like, uh, James himself, much like James himself, I just kind of blurted it from my memory, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I don't know. And, um, yeah, so it's 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 all hazy to me, but I do remember playing it, and since then I've played it countless times. But uh, yeah. yeah, I just I I played the Xbox version a few times, and then yeah, and, and as I said earlier, unfortunately, uh, got the HD collection, and that's my only copy of it now because I was a uh, silly and I traded in my yeah. Xbox version at some point. So yeah, I don't know how how um, how rare that one is or not. Um, probably not tremendously. I wouldn't have thought it was. Uh, I, as I say, I, I had that version at mm-hmm. uh, at one stage, and I recall as as it was often the case at that stage was the Xbox versions just tended to be a, a, a teensy bit graphically nicer than the PS2 versions because it mm-hmm. just had that little yeah. bit of extra power. It just you know everything was just slightly more stable and stuff. But but there were issues mm-hmm. with the Xbox's video output being slightly more muted than the PS2s and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, but I think it was it, it wasn't a it wasn't like Metal Gear Solid 2 on the Xbox where it was like you know it was a, an inferior port. I think it was a I think it was a good version over that's my recollection anyway and uh josh what about you um well like i said in the previous silent hill podcast um i came to these games uh much much later mainly because i i'm you know i'm the baby of canaan rent so i was quite <laughs> young when silent hill 2 came out and um yeah uh, like a couple of years ago i just decided that um there are a few games that you know, classic games that I felt like I needed to play. And Silent Hill, you know, Silent Hill 2 was really close to the top of that list. And, um, yeah, I just... 
I managed to get through it slowly but surely. Um, and it was interesting hearing you, Leon, um, talk about liking the game, but it not necessarily being a world you, you wanted to be in. Um, yeah. Because yeah. Um, I kind of had a similar experience because... I I I mean I I really really like and you know at some points really love what Silent Hill does with uh, with a lot of the narrative and 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 its world and everything like that, but ultimately it's so t- scary and horrible and tense being in that universe <laughs> yeah. that it it wasn't one of those games that I played through. You know, it's not a long game. Um, I think it's like fifteen hours mm-hmm. or maybe a oh, little less, less than that. Yeah, less I think than that, I yeah. did it in under you nine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it's just not a game that you can... Do. It's not like, for example, Bayonetta, which I managed to get through in, like, two days, which is actually a longer game. <laughs> but, like, you mm. want it... You kind of, like, that game's really positive and feel-good, and you kind of want to be in mm. that world, whereas Silent Hill 2 is just relentlessly tense that every time I saw a red piece of and paper... And bleak as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just yeah. the red piece of paper... And every time I saw it, it ended up being like that's the end of my session. Like, wow. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I. W- but I. The thing is, I was always drawn back to it, and I, I think we'll get mm. into why um, later on in the podcast. Mm. So yeah, sorry. Back to the 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 sort of theme of the game. Um, obviously, you know, more characters are introduced as you go along. One one of them fairly early is uh, Angela, isn't it? Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Angela Orozco who you meet fairly early on um, and you meet along the way you meet uh, Eddie as well and Laura uh, and of course uh, Marie um, but the yeah the the sense of um, dread and isolation when you're first walking down those and, um, there's there's absolutely no doubt that this game repeatedly uses what feel like overly long paths of of mm-hmm. you know just dread just long sometimes winding sometimes straight sometimes down um there's a section later in the game where you just keep going down you go you drop down and you drop down <laughs> and you go down and it's you know it's obviously you know heavily symbolic but sure. um but it, it has a really good effect of just making you feel like you're getting further and further away from safety because yeah that's exactly it because you don't know where the next save point's going to be and unless you're playing the pc version i i mean i i'm just going to jump in here with the one of the main theories about this game mm. and obviously the slowly descending into the bowels of silent hill 2 is very reminiscent of that it, it, it's that silent hill in this game at least I feel like it's either purgatory or hell or some kind of limbo that's close to hell or something like that. And um yeah, I I don't know. I I don't know if you, obviously with you Leon playing it um uh having a lot of the story spoiled for you. I imagine you were kind of looking for that stuff. Um to a point um and yeah, I I guess it's very it's hard to know exactly I don't know how much I kind of knew and how much I didn't, but yeah. but I knew that. Yeah, I knew that it was. I I suppose the key thing is I knew how many people were absolutely in love with this game. Yeah. So even though you know when it came out, it did 
it did critically well. Yeah. Um, it you know it reviewed slightly better than its predecessor. Um, you know, mid eighties percentage. It wasn't necessarily a game that blew everyone away. There were there were criticisms about uh, you know illogical puzzles and and um, cra- creaky combat and um, you know mm. and uh, confusion general you know general mm. <laughs> probably sense of of hopelessness and despair. It wasn't a game that, you know, it wasn't like 96, 97% across the board at, at the time. But it's a game that, so over the last 13 years, so many people I know have said, well, it's my favourite game of all time. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, it's the best game of all time. No, you mean it's your favourite game of all time. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it sold okay, um, according to VG Charts and other things I've read. It ended up going, it, it went on to sell like... It sold a million copies quite quickly, but then I'm not sure how many more it sold than that. Um, mm. It's hard to know exactly, but you know, so the X, Xbox version sold like a third of a million copies. I've, I've got no sales figures for the PC version, but it, again, this isn't a game that necessarily. You know, we d- we did Smash Brothers recently, and that's been played by you know umpteen million people across three versions. Yeah. And and Silent Hill Two probably just hasn't been played by as many people. But the people who have played it really want to talk about it a lot. Um, yeah. And so I suppose that just made me on the lookout for interesting things because why would people be so passionate about this game if yeah. it didn't mm-hmm. have interesting things? In it? I-, I think the thing, and and you kind of hinted at it earlier uh, with your intro um that that really draws me to this game uh, above any of the other silent hill games is that it has a real pure focus uh in terms of what it wants to talk about um mm-hmm. in silent hill 1 yeah it it kind of was just a greatest hits of all the horror movies that uh, the developers liked Whereas this really felt like it wanted to talk about death and and um, you know Regret what and, it what yeah. it takes to you know take your life what you f- what you feel about yourself when you even consider like taking the life of another person um, mm-hmm. and I and I really like that while it is focused so much of it can still be up for interpretation um, personally mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of um, the characters you meet and the projections the monsters and stuff I really feel like that's James Sunderland filling like whatever limbo you know um hellscape that silent mm. hill is he's yeah. filling it with his own mind his own uh, projections of himself or how mm. he feels about certain people i really feel yeah. like um a certain character like eddie i i i really feel like he is what james thinks of himself after he um I'm kind of skipping ahead here after he killed his wife because of her illness. Um, just like he sees himself as this horrible, like monster and all of that stuff. Um, now, but that said, that's my interpretation. I see mm-hmm. it as James filling that space with his own mind. A lot of people say yeah. that all of those characters are real and they're all sharing this hellscape yeah. together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know I'm if interested. you you guys no, I was feel re- it? interested well, to discuss this. We may as well get straight into this. Um, yeah. yeah, carry yeah. on, sure. Oh well, I was going to say the only thing that the only character to me that doesn't fit that 
James is filling in all of these people is Angela because she seems yeah, to have a very yeah, specific yeah. Uh, story. It's like to me, what it feels like is that everyone is there, but this is all their um, specific hells. Like where yeah, Silent yeah. Hill One kind of presented Silent Hill, the town as that is hell. Like everyone's would have the same experience mm. there. Where Silent Hill Two makes it seem more like the town. Is if you're drawn there, then you're in your own personal hell. Um, the, the, in a way, that's why one of the things that I found frustrating about the, the story of the first Silent Hill was that it was. I like the idea of it being, you know, it's a town that is actually hell. You know, hell. You don't have to go to another place that is, you know, like a, a fiery ball that exists under the earth or something <laughs> like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it can be it can be something as mundane as, as a sleepy U.S. town. But I feel like they diluted that with the talk of the drugs and, and the demons and the, and the demons yeah. and the witches in town and all this sort of thing. When actually it, it was more interesting to me, um, a bit like how. Um, I need to be careful not to spoil this because it's a completely separate medium. But it's a bit like how, for me, the film Jacob's Ladder is a lot yep. more interesting mm-hmm. until you know what's going on, and and then it becomes yeah. it it becomes like oh okay. And it, even <laughs> even the Mist, um, which I've actually been rewatching mm-hmm. again, um, I seem to enjoy the the Frank Darabont movie version. I seem to enjoy it a little bit more each time. It, it it's got its it's got its flaws. It's got some you know slightly ropey special effects and stuff. But the more I watch yeah. it, the more I like that film, and the more it feels like the Silent Hill film in a way. But again, that has a a similar resolution to Jacob's Ladder in a way, and mm. um, that's actually sort of slightly undermines for me the true the horror of not knowing. Um, right. And so I suppose Silent Hill 2 resonates for me better in that sense. But I did want to ask you to how, like, if we take the Eddie, Angela, Laura, um, Maria. Maria. Well, Maria, I'm, Maria, apart from the fact that this is open to question because of the, the extra chapter mm. um, in which she has uh, her own, she has free, you know, freedom of she has free will she she in yeah, in, in the she, dlc she has her own existence although she yeah. she just seems to come into being looking into a mirror which is how we first see uh james looking into a mirror so mm-hmm. but i understood her from my understanding correct me if i if i missed the point here but she is a sort of male idealized um in manifestation of how james would have liked his wife to be yeah. instead of dying being a slightly demure figure who was dying and ravaged by a, a terminal disease yeah hence she resembles yeah. her but she's sexually provocative and mm-hmm. you know sassy and, and and all that kind of thing but the others, yeah. yeah but the others i i did wonder like is there a reason why is there is there any explanation as to why everyone's drawn here at the same time or is josh right that actually they're all sort of manifestations but i agree with sean that angela again talking about dark subject matter for a 2001 video yeah, game really seems Jesus. to me the reason she's there is she was uh she was sexually abused by her father who, who yeah. later in the game manifests as a door monster like um the idea that I mean, even that sort of twisted in a way the idea that he manifests into kind of what what he came through to to come at her is well, so gross. Have you have you actually had a closer look at that uh, monster model? It's actually even creepier if you is actually it? look at yeah. it because yeah. what it is is a man on top of a, a woman, but with a layer oh. of skin over the top. So right. it's actually like a horrible rape symbol yeah. it's really disgusting yeah. and awful 
I, I wanted to talk actually about the the monster design. That seems as good a place as any. Um, yeah. The the key the key recurring thing for me is whereas in the first game they were these kind of they weren't exactly like zombie things like the dogs in Resident Evil, but they had a you know they were this sort of pinkish grayish flesh kind of thing for the most yeah. part, mm-hmm. except the mumblers, which were these kind of fuzzy little <laughs> cute bears. Um, <laughs> but uh, in this, everything's got this. Um, you even see it in the CG. It looks like it's kind of slightly oily, dirty, mm-hmm. rusty, skin, yeah. rusty. Yeah. yeah, and and I yeah. absolutely. I I mean, I hate it. It, it's. I mean, I hate <laughs> yeah, it in the sense that it's really yeah. repulsive. But I think it's there's something about it which is hugely evocative. And it and it there aren't there are barely enemy enemy types in the game really. Are there? There's about yeah. like a handful. No, it's like four, I think. Yeah, or probably a little more than that. But yeah, yeah. But you, I mean, you even end up fighting sort of the the doormen after yeah. you've mm-hmm. killed the kind of boss one. That's how few there are. Yeah. There's uh, there's the kind of four legged mannequin type there's the nurse type mm-hmm. um the wobbly figure type um but they're all they're all kind of coated in this in this gross dirty oily fleshy mm-hmm. stuff and it's yeah it's unlike anything else i've seen in a in a game apart from probably the sequels and stuff to a point but it's that it's i don't know even even at standard definition textures um yeah. it mm-hmm. still looks really icky yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really liked um, how, unlike the previous game, uh, every enemy seemed to conform to um, a theme or an idea, or yeah. have some kind of link to the events that have led mm-hmm. uh, James to Silent Hill. Um, and, and one, like one idea that I kind of came up with myself is, I found it interesting that a lot of the monsters towards the beginning of the game are almost shapeless and not quite yeah. formed because James is confused and he doesn't really know why he's there and stuff like that. Mm. Whereas later on, they start to take the form of nurses and they have more defined form. And I, I just, I really love the idea that the monsters become more connected with his memories as he has a greater understanding of why he's there in the first mm-hmm. place. Mm. Um, and Did also, you have a t- take on wh- why he would then be fighting doormen uh, after he'd killed Angela's sort um, of doorman boss? Well, uh, you see, I I didn't see them as doormen. I I always saw them as the frame of a bed, and it's mainly because um, at the right. end of the game when you're fighting. Uh, your wife um she's in a similar kind yeah. of box like mm-hmm. frame but when it yeah. falls to mm. the ground it l- takes the shape of a bed so mm-hmm. my assumption mm. looking back at all the other enemies is that all oh, right okay these are not door frames these are actually bed frames and mm, they're all okay. kind of representations I of think like I got hospital a- patients I got thrown a curveball by the fact that I think they're actually referred to as uh, like the boss fight is the doorman boss fight. Oh I think right, actually, is it? I, oh, I think okay. that's actually what it's called. But I think you you probably onto something more interesting. Now, that could be a translation mm-hmm. thing, or it could be as horrible as it was him taking her up against the door. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and anyway, they're all it's all it's all unpleasant <laughs> stuff. And the that sort of uh, sexual abuse thing. I mean, you see it right early on the first appearance of the infamous pyramid yeah. head yeah. Um, or the red pyramid thing as he's first uh, <laughs> referred to he appears to be sort of 
yeah it's 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 not exactly like a full-on rape but there's sort of molestation yeah. and thrusting yeah. going on yeah between between pyramid head and uh and some of the you know the other creature types mm-hmm. that you see and that that happens a couple of times and yeah, yeah those scenes are still really cu- quite shocking yeah. i think even yeah. though you don't see anything explicit as such Mm-mm. the combination of those textures and those yeah. colors and that it's, sound and the, the violent shaking the of sexual yeah. imagery yeah yeah uh, it, it's one of those yeah it, you know what it's talking about mm-hmm. even though it's not directly addressing it. Like it, it's clearly symbolic of rape. Like the, it, it manages to avoid actually depicting it, but because it's so horrible mm. and the writhing is so, you know, yeah. reminiscent of that kind of thing, it, you can't help but look <clears> away <throat> in disgust. And and I I mean, it's no accident that every weapon that uh, Pyramid Head has is very phallic yeah. in nature. Mm, totally. Like He is clearly, clearly a metaphor for, like, male sexual mm-hmm. aggression or, or something like that. Yeah, we'll come back to Pyramid Head because I think there's a lot to... Uh there's a lot yeah. to say. Um, wanted to just rewind a little bit and and actually talk about you know kind of in terms of compared to Silent Hill one as a mm. as a video game and as an audio visual thing, what what was new and what was different? And for me, mm. in terms of the game, it's it's barely any different at all. I mean, it you know the menus are the same, it plays the same, um, it feels like a it feels to me like a almost it's almost that sort of sequel as remake kind of thing right let's do it better this time on a new generation let's give it a better story let's give it you know make it look better i mean the one the first thing i tweeted when i jumped from silent hill one to two having completed one for the last podcast and then going to two was just remembering what a insane leap it was in those generations of that generation from that generation of console from ps1 to ps2 uh, we'll never, we'll probably never see a graphical leap that large again. E- each one has got a little bit smaller. I mean, obviously, we we got we went from SD to HD with the 360 and PS3, but like the leap from Xbox 360 to Xbox One is and 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 PS3 to PS4, are the smallest yeah. leaps we've had in a generation <laughs> yet. Um, not knocking it because I'm, you know, GTA 5 looks amazing and all that sort of thing, but. Um, this was like wow because the mm. graphics on Silent Hill One were, you know, quite quite hard on the eye in places at this stage with their massive blocky textures and wobbly mm-hmm. polygons. And this was the first game in the series where, for me, it's like even now, even with its, you know, you got jaggies and you got that slight fuzz around everything, but mm. it looks like a, it looks like what it's supposed to look like. It yeah. doesn't look like an yeah. artist impression, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the few games from that generation for me that actually really still holds up. Like it's, and a lot of it has to do with the art direction. Like, just the the monsters are so evocative, and James himself. Like, I actually really like his design. He's very, uh, very plain looking, much like uh, Harry Mason was. But just that, yeah, they kind of nailed all of his facial animations and his body animations, and it's really evocative stuff. I, I think for me, it's the environment that yeah, uh, totally. allows this game to age so well. Like I, I look at the, you know, the interiors of the, you know, the school and the hospital and mm. all that, and there's so much detail there. Um, even compared to games now, I think it, it holds up really well. Mm-hmm. Just, just 
every every frame of that game feels like it's trying to stuff information in the player's face mm-hmm. like uh, just yeah it's just an attention to detail that um that we don't often see but i really appreciate when i see it yeah there were actually some scenes where there were some areas if i'm honest where i thought oh imagine seeing this remade mm-hmm. uh, like with current current you know ps4 yeah. graphics thinking it could look utterly stunning yeah but then there was another part of me and in, in certain areas where i the the all the almost um the sort of the vagueness and the grittiness of of the previous generation two generations yeah. ago graphics kind of gave it a certain gnarliness that maybe mm. it would lose if it was too too pristine and and mm-hmm. had too much it was you know too representation of of, of real life there is literally a kind of a filter which hangs over the whole thing, isn't there? Which, yeah. which mm-hmm. is, in, uh, I'm sure, entirely deliberate because other other PS2 games didn't have it, and as well as the famous fog, which, again, if they did it now, if they, or if they did it, you know, if, if you were looking at it on a, a 1920 by 1080, and it was done with all the amazing um, sort of built-in effects libraries you can do with modern graphics, I don't know what I'm talking about, but you know what I mean. Uh, if if yeah. it was modern, it might actually lose some of its. There's something about the way that fog moves that was it was obviously a big deal. It's like in the first game on the PS1, it's just a big thick wall of grey, mm-hmm. but in this, it's got tendrils and it's it's, yeah, it's it kind of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And, and even if you know you can probably break it down and if you looked at it too long, you could probably see where the patterns yeah. repeat or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if it's done by if it's actually it's probably not done with like um, you know literal environmental pixels and assets actually existing in a space it's i'm sure it's some sort of graphical effect that they worked on but it it yeah it fits the game and and again it has has a yeah more of a nightmarish quality whereas if it looked like a real mist um it it would no longer have that um yeah yeah and then of course um obviously it was less of a less of a leap because we were still on a um a disc-based medium, so we'd already had enjoyed, you know, Akira Yamaoka's soundtrack mm. for the first game, and it's, like, I think even, you know, the, even Sean, you were probably the most positive about the Silent Hill One experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all felt that the the music, the soundtrack, was what held up the best and almost elevated what might be a a really hard game to play yeah, without absolutely. it. Um, elevated it, and in this case, like I'd, I'd say, you know, it. Although the game hasn't changed in the sense of, you know, like I say, the menus are still the same, the controls are basically still the same and all this sort of thing, although you can move to a non-tank style, which is which is good if you prefer it. Um, everything just, you know, like James moves more smoothly than Harry, except maybe when he's in combat, which is mm. much the same mm. um, and stuff like that. But uh, but the music, obviously, it's different music because it's a whole new soundtrack. Um, it opens with. Uh, I remember this is this is a funny one. This is almost a confession, but I remember the first time I I watched the attract sequence on Silent Hill Two. I was a bit like, oh, so they've yeah. gone a bit rock. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> it was like because the the mandolins and everything on the first game was so like nothing else. Mm-hmm. That when I first heard, is it Laura's theme? Is that yeah, what, is that theme what of the Laura. main theme's called? called theme of Laura. Yeah. Um, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about this direction. And actually, I, I should have saved that for Silent Hill 3 because that, that's actually got a vocal song right, in it, which yeah. is kind of a, perhaps a step too far for me. But 
since then it just grew and grew and grew on me and i must you know every time i load silent hill 2 now i let that run run through at least once Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then and then from there yeah even you know right from the start of the game you've got that incredibly haunting bit which accompanies your arrival into town and yeah it just keeps keeps on going and then then you get the odd bit which is almost you know more obviously musical when when they're in certain areas or mm-hmm. certain things happen and then you get the odd sad thing but anyway yeah i just uh, it's another astonishing soundtrack yeah he, he yeah one thing i know that he kind of focused on for this one was silence of all things like he uh, i think there's a quote from him that says um something about how silence is part of sound design and i think in the first one the sound is a little more constant mm. um and in this game there's there's plenty of sections where you'll go in a room and it'll just cut to dead silence all you hear is his footsteps and you'll come back out and yeah. you'll either hear the radio going off or you'll yeah. just hear like a like a very industrial nine inch nails kind of cacophony yeah, yeah you know stuff like that and yeah he, he really managed to blend uh ups and downs highs and lows you know crescendos and stuff like that with makes it just and it's always unexpected too so it always kind of throws you off and just immediately uh, you know <laughs> freaks you out yeah I, I think I said this about the first game uh, as well, but just just the fact that music and the sound design feels really in sync. Like it, it doesn't feel like it was two separate people in different rooms. Yeah. Like it, it, they combine together and they're they're one, and you know they're they're working together to create the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I mainly this game actually, I don't think I feel the same way about the music in any other entry in the series, but specifically this game, I felt like the music helped moments that would otherwise be really um, horrible kind Mm. of feel oddly beautiful. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that seems like the, the wrong word that I'm using there, but there was kind of like a haunting beauty to certain scenes that... Um, that the the that the soundtrack amplified and 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 accentuated, um, and I didn't really get that from Silent Hill One. It really felt like Silent mm-hmm. Hill One was really cranking up the oh this is awful this is horrible you want to get out of here. Mm. But and and Silent Hill Two absolutely does that um, throughout as well. But it, it just those moments those like bits of punctuation of beauty throughout mm. the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I it really helped me it helped me get through the experience because there was this sense that there was something to this horrible journey rather than Silent Hill 1 that felt like you were just, just crawling through the mud as it were um mm-hmm. Silent Hill 2 really yeah, it, it it really made you feel like that there was a goal here, that there could be a happy ending. Yeah. And the soundtrack is absolutely key in um, it, it manipulating me into thinking yeah. that way. Yeah, I mean, the on the flip side, as much as I, I you know, I, I really like those... Uh, that that industrial cacophony that greets you at points like you know again on a on a on a level of that's really cool but on another level it it is tiring and it does put you on edge and it's mm-hmm. probably yeah. some of those bits in a way which are, are what you know stop me from playing on just because it's so full on yeah. it's so intense there's there's it's mm-hmm. you know it it's fun in a in a way but it's the sort of fun that you don't necessarily want to have for 
extended periods. I, think, <laughs> I mean, overall, yeah. I'd, again, like as much as I said with the first game, I didn't find it as scary playing it in 2014 as a 42-year-old as I did trying to play it in 2001 as a 29-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, I still, you know, I still found it engaging and dark and bleak and mysterious and atmospheric but it was less like oh my god i can't you know i just need to do something else but maybe <laughs> again i did have the i did have the motivation of knowing that i needed to to get it finished and also just a real desire to you know finally put this one to to bed after more than a decade sure, of yeah. prevarication <laughs> um <laughs> something that again we have to talk about um had a couple of people come back on this from the first game quite um critical of our criticism of the voice acting but again one of the mm. issues for me that that does that I do have with this game um it's only 2 years on from Silent Hill 1 of course and we're still only in the early 2000s we were still a few years away from games you know generally being much more professionally voiced yeah but for all the dark subject matter and, and deep content and <clears throat> fascinating ideas in this game, some of it is undermined by what is once again for me a pretty terrible set of voice performances. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, um, it's it's tough for me because um, I, I like I know that you're right. <laughs> like I can I can hear them and and tell that it's very stilted and clearly they recorded it in different rooms like everything back was back then and. But like I don't know if it's just because it must be a nostalgia thing for me. But I can't I can't picture it any other way. Sure, like it all yeah. feels very it all feels very dreamlike. Like the whole game feels very dreamlike, and so to, for me, so is the dialogue. But I, yeah, I can like especially with Angela, she seems probably yeah the worst in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and she's actually the one uh, Donna Burke who plays Angela is actually the one who's gone on to do the most stuff. Um, oh. <laughs> she's a she's a regular um, in all sorts of video games. Um, huh. she, yeah, she's. I mean, she came back in Silent Hill Three, and um, she's a Virtua Fighter character and King of Fighters and uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. She's in as well. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, some some of the scenes uh, where she's you know she's supposed to be. Uh, portraying suicidal depression right. it's a little over um, the top. it sounds sounds yeah and it sounds like boredom yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> yeah and and the other um i think it's a little boy who plays laura it's a or a, yeah possibly he's called jakey jakey breckenridge plays <laughs> plays laura and um yeah. s- some of the scenes where she has to display emotion are just as actually just kind of you know eyebrows raised lip curled at some of this uh i hate you i hate you stuff it was just really or and again just took me out of the moment and i wish you know i wish it weren't the case i wish i could say oh god you know just sold sold it to me but um i can't deny what my my reaction was and and guy see he throughout who plays james i think he he varies yeah Um, there are some there are some scenes where he just about carries it off but but other points again where where it's highly emotional he goes a bit camp and high pitched and and maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's the guy he is but again just there's a lack of conviction in in so many of the readings that i just mm-hmm. wish that the director had said just do it again only actually imagine you're in a play or something and <laughs> it, it's got that it's got that it's got that sense of well it's only a video game yeah. we, we talk like this in video games don't yeah. we it's almost like they did what they'd heard before which anyway I, I, I mean, because I, I came to the game a lot later, like you, Leon. So yeah, that stuff was really glaring. Um, 
I think I played it in like 2011. I keep forgetting the date I played Silent Hill 2. But um, yeah, just the voice acting has moved on so much since Mm -hmm. then. And I think we've gotten to a point now, especially with stuff like The Last of Us, where voice acting is actually a really great standard. Um, But yeah... For all the maturity, like all the really good writing, I mm, think, mm, um, mm-hmm. and just the bravery of some of the subject matter it, yeah. it tries to approach, I just I wish Laura wasn't on. It wasn't in that scene when James <laughs> has that realization where he's sitting in that chair and he's looking, staring at the telly, and Laura suddenly goes, "I hate you, I hate you," yeah. and it's so badly delivered. I just wish she wasn't even there. Yeah. I just wish they'd leave the player. Uh, with that information that they've just gotten there's just uh because it's again such a such a powerful idea um you know we we finally see angela uh disappearing off into a more traditional image of hell Mm -hmm. a fiery upper upper fiery staircase in this case and a, a final line is something like you know for me it's like this every day after after james says oh it's yeah. hot as hell in here but, you know overselling it a bit but um you know and that's actually you know it's such a powerful idea that you know that she's she, because of what her father inflicted on her she's she she exists in a living hell um mm-hmm. and that i can't you know i don't think her delivery of that line was so bad that it actually ruined the scene because i think that would have been a hard job but yeah again just if they made it now and i'm I'm betting without the the reworking they did for the direct uh, the hd edition um yeah it would just i think uh, so much of this is to do with the fact that this was um one of the games like resident evil that was made in japan for Mm -hmm. a japanese audience but with even the Japanese versions have the English voice acting. Let's come back to Pyramid Head because he is probably the iconic figure of the game. He appeared in uh, mm-hmm. Consolvania sketches on the telly with uh, Robert Florence. Um, he appears in the film in slightly amended form because apparently they couldn't get the actor literally couldn't walk around in a in a head that resembled the one in the game, <laughs> yeah. which isn't actually a pyramid technically. I don't think is it because it's really. kind of elongated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, so this is, uh, I guess this is like the year or year, year or two after we'd has Resident Evil 3's, uh, comical, um, nemesis Nemesis, character. Um, no, I'm not, not taking anything away. Nemesis scared me as well, but you know, he's a, if, if there's one thing that illustrates the difference between Resident Evil and Silent Hill, it's nemesis and pyramid head in in nemesis. You've got a big bulky, basically a zombie with fleshy stripped back teeth and he goes stars and um yeah and and then in silent hill you've got this sort of he's in a like a filthy butcher's smock Mm -hmm. and he's carrying a massive sword which you get to hold later on a big phallic cleaver um he's got a bizarre head which is a bit like (laughs) a pyramid and he shuffles around um raping mannequins that's you know that's so he is um you were saying earlier josh you you feel he's a a sort of manifestation of um brutal male sexuality but yeah he also seems to be a general manifestation of james's um yeah he's like the most obvious personal manifestation of james's guilt and regret guilt regret Mm -hmm. one of of the two a bit of both oh he's definitely a 
Yeah, he's definitely an inner demon, as it were. And I think it's very telling that um, James is only able to defeat, well, at that point, it's several uh, pyramid heads. uh, Three, Mm. I believe. Uh, Two Um, two at the end. Oh, it might depend on the difficulty level, but I think it's two. But um, he's only able to defeat them once he's kind of come to terms with what he's done and what, you know, why he's here. It's very clear that these are projections of, you know, horrors within himself uh, chasing him around and, you know, trying to uh, destroy what little, you know, grasp on reality he has. yeah, um, I, I, I mean, I, I think they can be interpreted in several different ways. I, I personally do kind of see them as like a, a sexual aggression kind of, it, just because there is so much emphasis on the rape of uh, other mannequin monsters with Pyramid Head. But I can totally see him being just like a manif- manifestation of uh, James's guilt and regret. He certainly seems to if he is a projection of himself, the fact that Pyramid Head is so determined to destroy James seems very, you know, symbolic of, like, some really horrible guilt and regret and and maybe even, like, uh, kind of a symbol of James's suicidal tendencies. I don't know if it's actually confirmed that James commits committed suicide and that's why he's here. Um, I'm, I'm a bit hazy on the details there, but I always in, interpreted it as James actually killed himself. Hmm. I'm not sure on that. Um, I'm still actually, I'm, I still haven't made up my mind entirely whether what his motivations were smothering Mary were, or whether it was purely selfish, as is as is sometimes suggested, or whether yeah. there was an element of euthanasia about it that she. Yeah. She actually yeah. wanted, she couldn't go, bear to go on living like she was. You know, she talks about how ugly she was being ravaged by the disease. You know, there's that speech where she says, you know, don't don't give me flowers, save them for someone, you know, beautiful yeah. enough to, to deserve them and all this sort of stuff. Um, I, mean, I, mean, yeah. I mean, the thing that feeds into my suicide theory mm. is the point where James finds his own corpse sitting yeah. in a chair in front of a television yeah. with what seems like a gunshot blast mm-hmm. to his head or something like mm-hmm. that um, I, I mean I, 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 I kind of like that the game never confirms whether you know why James is yeah. here but I, I kind of like the idea that he was so torn up by the guilt of um killing his wife that he actually ended up taking his own life oh, i wonder if that was him confronting the option that that yeah. was maybe what he should have done what he could have done to yeah. make you know to in a way to to make things right or just i don't know not, well, not that it does but you know what i mean yeah yeah i'm i'm not sure and I, i'm sure you know this is a game that there have been reams written about and, oh yeah and you can go yeah. deep on the internet and uh and different people have different interpretations and that's one of probably one of the reasons why it continues to resonate so much um yeah so pyramid head uh was designed by takayoshi sato um and he said that it was uh, i think he wanted it to look um the the head as this angular uh look um, to give it a sense of pain, I think is the idea, mm. and and also the <clears throat> mysteriousness of not being able to see a face as such, which is you know normally monsters have some sort of face type thing, something mm. you can actually call a face, um, and this doesn't. And also, uh, 
that his his get up is vaguely reminiscent of um supposedly of the town's historical executioners yeah. um who would have been hooded obviously and, and stuff like that but but either way yes he's uh, i think iconic is the word for pyramid head um yeah that, but, but again on a on a gameplay level the like the first time you meet him uh, actually you have control i mean that's just a really weird piece of gameplay isn't mm-hmm. it it's yeah you're just so, in a box a box room yeah you're in a tiny box and you just have to go left and yeah. right <laughs> corner to corner left and right and you don't know that you can't hurt right. him the first time either um it makes a sound effect that suggests you can't hurt him but you could very easily use up all your ammo mm-hmm. there um and maybe that's the point ultimately the siren wails and uh, and he shuffles off but um I mean, it's. I suppose it's not even really fair to call that a boss fight because there's no actual fighting. But um, but once again, the the handful of boss fights there are in this game, as we as we go back away from the interesting psychological stuff and talk about this as a video game that you play, um, I'm afraid that I didn't find the boss fights extremely exciting, and and I and that that really goes in ties in with the general combat. Now I realised. I made two key errors with the combat in this game. So this is partly my fault. Although bearing in mind that a lot of the reviews at the time said the combat in this is really, is really substandard and clunky. My two mistakes were one, I never got, well, never between the first weapon that you pick up the first melee weapon, which is a plank of wood with a nail in it. And the last, which is pyramid heads, giant chopper, uh, I didn't pick up another melee weapon. Now I believe there's at least one. Is a metal pipe or something? Um, so I ended up playing most of the game because I know how these things work. I was preserving my my ammo to the point that once again I ended up with hundreds of shots left for for my shotgun and pistol by the end of the game. But for a long t- for the longest time, it was taking me ages to beat down even the standard enemies with with this plank. This was improved slightly about four hours in when I remembered that the PlayStation 2's pad had pressure sensitive controls um, which are actually used in this game. Konami used this quite a bit in their in their games where the harder you press the X button or the cross button I should say um, the harder you hit basically. Yeah. I mean within levels. Now the, the controller sensitivity has 255 settings. I think the game recognises two, maybe three. <laughs> so um, but it certainly started to help when uh, when I was smushing them that much harder. But there were a lot of rather tedious attritional corridor battles with these admittedly creepy monsters with their horrible noises, but where it was just a case of stand still, swipe, smash, swipe, smash, swipe, mm. smash, take three steps backwards, swipe, smash, then they start wandering around your feet. What I'm saying is that the combat, I'd say, is was a problem then in terms of fun mm. and now it feels like a, a a real relic yeah I, I don't know for for me i think because so much of the combat can be avoided in this game it never yeah. really stood out to me as like a game-breaking issue not that's that's not what you're saying i know but like mm. i know for some people it's it's really hard to get over those kind of controls yeah. but i mean i often for me i just would run past a lot of these enemies and not even deal with them so i don't know for me it wasn't yeah. too much of an issue but i can yeah i can totally see where you're coming from on that because yeah it could have been better as far as boss fights ah. i'm not sure because they were going for a little more of a 
realistic character in, in James. Um, I'm not sure like what else they could have done other than having you just shoot the enemy. No. Yeah. There's just a lack of joy in the actual oh, mechanics yeah. of hitting and sure, shooting. Yeah. It, you know, you, you hold down a shoulder Trigger, button yeah. and you press a button and it just goes bang. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, I d- in a way, uh, I don't, I don't want to be saying this because in a way it doesn't feel right if if a game this miserable and this bleak had like, you know I'm not suggesting it as like combo meters coming up on screen <laughs> yeah. and things like that <laughs> yeah um, you shouldn't be juggling enemies or, or anything like that but I don't think I don't think it a, a bleak miserable scary game has to be mutually exclusive from satisfying <laughs> combat sure gotcha yeah um I mean I, I certainly see where you're coming from Leon but like again what Sean said because so much of the combat could be avoided um I, I kind of just did I did just run past a, a large number of enemies and um yeah I just ultimately the combat kind of comes off as passable not game-breaking mm. for me like it's something I had to do to get to the bits that I really loved about Silent Hill 2 mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I certainly see where you're coming from, but I just, it, I didn't, there wasn't really any point where I hated it. It sounds like I made a few mistakes in that regard in that I think I took on, I have this thing where I have to cleanse all the yeah. buildings I'm in. <laughs> yeah. I can't leave that music playing. I can't, I can't allow it. So, you know, there's proving that it does get to me. Mm. I can't have it so that if I go back into a corridor, there's still, yeah. you know, clang, 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 and that noise of, you know, squelch, squelch, squelch as things w- wander around. I have to get rid of that for my own sanity. So that means that I am duty bound to, 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 um, to do them in. And if, if I'm preserving ammo even unnecessarily because you never know what's around the corner, that means that I was reduced to melee, which re- meant that because I didn't pick up a steel pipe, it, everything was taking so long. So partly my fault, but my experience will undoubtedly not be uh, the only, you know, yeah, singular. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we should also mention, because it's it's par for the course, but this uh, game has some puzzles too. Um Generally, I thought, uh, yes, I mean, my problem with the puzzles, again, is more not that they're there and that they're, they're, they're horrible, but that, again, that there's a lack of, a lot of the time it feels like they're there because it's a video game and because that's what you have to do. You've, again, you've got this interesting psycho, psycho horror drama with these characters, and then it's like, find the key in yeah. the drain and do put the thing in the drain and you know and go yeah. through jump through all these hoops to open a box and then there's a key and like part of me wouldn't want those things not there but i feel like there's probably a more and maybe we've seen more recent games do it more more skillfully there's probably a way of marrying it more so it doesn't feel quite so like yeah. who set up these puzzles <laughs> uh, unless you're thinking this is all a manifestation of of james's uh you know being in purgatory or 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 worse and he's kind of tormenting himself but if he was tormenting himself with puzzles would it be you know attach the hair to the fishing hook and fish the key out of the shower plug hole you know it's like it doesn't quite add up for me but how do you fellows who again i feel more positive about the game overall even though i am i do like it um Um, how do you sort of justify these things like okay here's one why are the light bulbs in a sealed tin can (laughs) yeah why just why i know it's fantasy and i know it's horror but stuff like that there's just 
Yeah. yeah there's just nothing, yeah, yeah. There's nothing that makes sense or is cool about that. It's yeah. just like, uh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I guess, again, for me, it's... it's Nightmarish, it's, I suppose. It's the... It's just, I kind of feel the same way like I do about these about I do the combat and the voice acting like I I I don't know how to uh, go against that argument because <laughs> I totally agree like some of that stuff just makes no sense at all but I think just because from when I played it when I was younger and that stuff didn't really bother me too much like it still doesn't really bother me yeah. um yeah it's hard to explain no that's cool yeah as I as always you know I wish I felt exactly the same way and maybe if I'd played it in two thousand one instead of wussing out and stopping playing it mm. I'd I'd be less critical and that's I, entirely fair I do think that the puzzles this time around are at least somewhat easier <laughs> than they were yeah. in the first one yeah. you know it's, it's yeah. depending like, on cause, depending on difficulty yeah. sure yeah yeah because this game has um, variable difficulty levels for both combat and puzzles doesn't it mm-hmm. which is yeah. uh, which is unusual or was unusual but I, I think I remember saying in the first uh, game that I felt I actually felt stupid sometimes I was like how am I not understanding any of this like that does that never really happened with me on this one but mm, mm. yeah i i mean I, I said in the the uh podcast on the first game i had to consult a walkthrough to get through some of the puzzles mm. whereas with silent hill 2 i felt confident enough to do them my uh mm. myself another way in which i think silent hill 2 feels in some ways like a uh an Im- improved enhanced fleshed out retread of the first game is that quite a lot of the locations are quite similar mm. um yeah. in, you have apartments you have a hospital mm-hmm. um and uh it, it changes a little after that but i think the uh, you know the first few hours where you're um running down the foggy streets which are slightly less unrealistically wide than they were in the first <laughs> yeah. game um and you're going to you know you're going to apartment buildings and, and a hospital it does feel like yeah, this is what we wanted the first game to look like, mm-hmm. and here it is in all its glory. And later on, things kind of change. Um, <clears throat> also, the other world is used much more sparingly, isn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. Instead of it, yeah. you just keep changing. You don't even see it for several hours, mm-hmm. and then you go into the other world hospital, and later there's uh, another world hotel, which is the final uh, area. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like that. Again, it made it feel more... It felt like relevant to what was happening yeah. in the story yeah. rather than in the first game where the siren goes and somebody's done something in town to do with something or drugs <laughs> yeah. or something yeah. or someone's gone mad or there's a demon and ah, it's the other world. Look, yeah. it's all rusty. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I loved the other world in the first game as well in terms of aesthetic and design and the way it sounded and everything, um, the way it looks here, they've done different things with it and... Uh, like the other the other world hotel doesn't even necessarily take a similar form to the other other worlds it's just more dilapidated mm-hmm. but actually the place is starting to drip with water and it's filling up with this sort of viscous fluid and stuff like yeah. that and gives it a whole different sensation yeah. yeah yeah much like any kind of aesthetic like they if you overuse something it'll eventually run out and i think that's the focus here on sparingly using those other worlds is is really uh, powerful i think because when it when they do come they really stand out and it's something that i think unfortunately the sequels kind of lose you know they they, they rely real heavily on the yeah. other, other worlds and stuff but i think because they use it so sparingly in two like it's really powerful when they have yeah I mean, thinking about it now, comparing Silent Hill two to Silent Hill one, I think just overall one of the one of the core things that makes it stronger is this kind of philosophy of less is more. Mm-hmm. Like everything is 
used more sparingly and the whole focus is more intimate and on a smaller scale but the overall experience is improved because of that like like the plot of this this game is about a man coming to terms with the you know the fact that he murdered his wife whereas the plot of the first game <laughs> is the actual birth of a godlike being <laughs> yeah. or some other stuff and uh, i yeah I yeah, I just thinking about it like everything about this game I think is improved because the developers understood that if they use stuff sparingly, if they use stuff like Pyramid Head, the other world, all of that stuff and really scale back the story so it was more personal mm-hmm. and more and more touching that the overall experience would feel more memorable, would feel more, you know, important. Uh, yeah i just yeah the whole thing feels like uh uh, it's been you know informed by the less is more philosophy um a key moment i would suggest and it's certainly this this even more so depending on your interpretation of uh what or who eddie is um is the fight with eddie because Mm. it's the first time that uh in well, first time in Silent Hill 2, because obviously you do, uh, you fight Sybil in Silent Hill 1, but you fight a human being. Um, Eddie starts off as a kind of, well, I don't know if comedic's the right word, but a slightly laughable mm-hmm. um, character, um, vomiting fairly horribly uh, over and over. Yeah. Um, you become more and more suspicious of him as uh, everywhere he goes, even though he claims not to have killed anyone, he's always surrounded by a pile of corpses. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And ultimately, he does admit that he killed a dog um in you know in his real life and he shot a football player in the knee that's right um and he seems to be being punished in silent hill if if you take him as his own character he's being punished for his actions um but also he has all this bitterness and remorse about the fact that he's been bullied his whole life for being fat and stupid basically overweight and and uh, and a little dumb simple um in the end, uh, he gives James no choice but to fight him um, in the traditional fashion. Again, you know, it's uh, it's a boss fight that um, has uh, has video game logic in that you have to shoot him about 18 times with a hunting rifle before he even starts to show any signs of <laughs> damage. He just suddenly goes... Yeah. Um, <laughs> setting aside that, how, how do you chaps feel about this fight? And, and Josh, I'm particularly interested... If you see Eddie as a as one of James's manifestations, um, what's happening here? Um, I, I mean, I I always saw Eddie as kind of a manifestation of um, how James sees himself mm. after he committed the murder. Um, just the self loathing, kind of the self hatred right. and stuff like that. He kind of painted like this caricature of himself mm. in his own mind as this horrible, disgusting, blubbering, you know, idiot who um will kill people. Like just like this the worst demonization mm-hmm. of himself as I really you possibly like that could imagine. Yeah. I really I don't know if it is um what the author intended or not, but I don't yeah. I, I, I'm not sure it is and and 
I'm if somebody presents me with you know a strong enough argument to say that no actually Eddie is just his own character in his own right I will concede because I, admittedly my belief is based on some shaky evidence um that I you know in the game but I just I really like that as a concept regardless of whether it has any credibility or not it just it feels like it's a concept that this game could mm. do, um, whether it did do it or not. And it, it really feels like a lot of the game, all the confrontation, all the, you know, the especially with Pyramid Head, it, it feels like James is fighting a piece of himself mm. and in his, on his journey to come to terms with what he did. And I do feel like he is defeating like this image of himself yeah. as this horrible human being because James isn't a horrible human being. He did a horrible thing, but there is, you know, there is some, you know, positive qualities to this man. And, you know, I, I think it makes sense that ultimately the last boss he fights is his own guilt and regret, as you you say, symbolized by pyramid head. Um, yeah, um, I, one thing I will say about the game, like just from a mechanical standpoint, this fight is awful. I just like constantly having to fight. I think if it was just like this creepy monster thing, that the amount of times I'd have to shoot it would make more sense. They really ruin the moment. <laughs> that immediately after uh, Eddie is defeated, James walks over to him and goes. Are you all right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's amazing. After just yeah. unloading a shotgun into oh him, he's like, "Are you okay?" <laughs> uh, but and then he goes, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, what have I done?" Like, you know what you did? Yeah. You shot him eighteen times that. with a hunting rifle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that that I think leads credence to the <clears throat> the idea that he's a manifestation is every time, or the first time you see him, rather, uh, the first line he says is, "I didn't do it." And mm. talking, referring to a dead body in the other room, and, and he he's constantly, I didn't do it. I swear I didn't do it, you know. And when we come to learn that that's his, you know, this whole thing is about James smothering that idea that he well smothered his wife. Um, you know, he he's all constantly going against the fact that he did it, and so yeah, yeah it's I kind of agree with Josh that he's more of a manifestation of his yeah not wanting to do it kind of thing. Okay, that's uh, that. Yeah, that that's actually more interesting than my rather literal take on it. Um, but uh, yeah, and rather more interesting than the actual mechanics of the boss fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> run run from corner to the room, get a shot off, run away. He can take you down in about two shots. He's got a sort of magnum <clears> type <throat> type affair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so eventually, after a short uh, a short row across the lake, which of course, um, having played it after playing through Resident Evil Four multiple times, I was expecting uh, yeah, <laughs> the, absolutely the, the big thing yeah. to come out of the lake at me. Um, but uh, interestingly, it does keep your stats of your rowing trip for mm-hmm. the end game yeah. uh, screen breakdown. Like how long were you rowing for? And what was your <laughs> fastest knot speed and stuff like this? Just so <laughs> so insane. Um, you end up at the hotel where you believe, uh, well, you sort of believe Mary to be, or in in whatever form she's in. Um, some puzzles ensue, and <laughs> there are some more puzzles and some more fighting. <coughs> and then you get to the pyramid heads boss, as we talked about. Now, again, talking pure video game mechanics for a moment. Um, 
I was aware of what hap- what happens here, but every time you've met Pyramid Head up to this point, um, he occasionally crops up in. You go sort of go into his lair at one point, and and he crops up in another couple of places. You can't kill him. So, but at no point other than the clue that you can't leave the room, <laughs> does this give you any clue that this is any different so if you just remembered your first encounter with pyramid head just be running you just around ran, you, you just run around <laughs> so if you did that in in this situation you could just be there forever yeah fortunately yeah. i knew that eventually if you shoot them enough they uh they suicide on mm-hmm. their spears but yeah. again from a games design point of view uh, obviously you know that this just wouldn't happen now it would tell yeah. you what you had to do and in a way that's a shame but in another way, I'm really glad I knew that I was supposed to be shooting them because <laughs> I would have been really annoyed if I'd spent 25 minutes running around doing nothing, waiting for the siren to go or something. Mm. Yeah. Fair or not fair? I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Totally fair. I, I do. Um, I, I just I love the image of them <clears throat> uh, seppuku or committing suicide, basically. Yeah. Like the, just the way they... they just that visual image, the way they look with their arms held out like that, kind of like, kind of like how they, they, when they make video games, you know, they have to hold their arms out and <laughs> kind of mm. looks like that. But it still ends up being a very, uh, just very strong image to me. I can always yeah. see it in my head. Um, then you collect. Uh, I just couldn't work out the significance of these two. You collect a sort of egg off each of them, a ruby and a rust egg, and you put them in the door the doors to escape and I was thinking oh god is this some deep psychological test is it ruby or is it rust is it left door or is it right door it makes no difference no, does it you put one so. in one door and one in the other <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't matter which one you go through um, does it have any it doesn't have any bearing on the endings or anything like that does it I don't think I don't think so because I know mm. I know the the endings um, take quite a lot of interesting subtle things mm-hmm. into account yeah. which we'll talk about um, and yes uh, after a climb back up again inst- interestingly the um the final boss which is i guess yeah confronting this time it's a more personal demon Mm. um and again for me it's um uh, i didn't enjoy the mechanics of the fight you're shaking off this swarm of buzzing Mm. flies Mm -hmm. you're you're getting held occasionally by a a tentacle and it's just a again another very mechanically simplistic attritional fight um which disappoints me because, as I say, as much as I can admire and be fascinated and enthralled by all this, you know, all the all these ideas and this visual art and 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 the music and everything, it it disappoints me when the such a key part of the game is so mundane. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with you. I just I think ultimately. I was so impressed with the things that the game does right, um, does do right, sure. that um, I was willing to forgive it. And I think I was a bit taken aback at the time by the imagery of the final boss yeah. itself, mm. just um, his wife <laughs> twisted in yeah. this hospital bed frame. And um, and I, I think it's a strength of the game overall. Like the bosses really do feed into like the, a psychological horror of the game, yeah. whereas mm-hmm. the previous game yes. they were just moth monster yeah. and lizard man. <laughs> we had a real problem um, working out what they what they were for. Yeah, yeah. but um, I mean, I can't I can't blame you. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm not going to defend the 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 actual mechanics of the fight. They they are pretty boring. Um, so we must quickly at least address uh, Laura because we've barely spoken about Laura and mm. the opening theme is called Theme of Laura um, now again um, 
actually, we'll tie this in with talk of the different endings. So there are multiple endings. Um, how many are there? Well, there's there were five in the original game, uh, four of which are, I guess you could say they're each sort of canonical in that, you know, or they, yeah. they conclude your story in a sensible way. They're called Leave, Maria, In Water and Rebirth. And mm. it wasn't, and I love the way that it wasn't a simple, simple case of, great ending good ending yeah. bad ending really bad ending it was different depending on how you'd acted through the game yeah um then there was the dog ending which is amazing <laughs> um and has yeah. an amazing piece of music um and uh yeah a welcome bit of light relief I, I i haven't got all the conditions for how you get everything but um you can seek out the dog ending online anyway um i got the leave ending mm-hmm. which uh i mean this is a good example um because uh to get this, you have to uh, listen to the entire hallway conversation, which is um, something that happens right near the end, as you'd expect. Um, I actually thought I'd... Now, I didn't know any of these conditions. I was just playing mm-hmm. and play, you know, playing in whatever way I play. Yeah. So it's interesting how these tie into how you play. So I actually thought I'd accidentally cut off the end of her hallway conversation, what she was saying. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I did clip off probably the very last line, but it gave it to me anyway. <clears throat> But obviously, this is going to play into somebody who plays the game for the story to hear yeah. what happened. Even even if you're going, oh god, this voice acting, <laughs> you still want to know what was happening. Right. E- examine Mary's picture and letter occasionally. Yeah, I did do that. Yeah, um, and that was partly because there's there's the interesting facet that once you've learned what uh, what really happened that James uh, killed Mary is that the letter disappears. It's gone. Right. Um, it was entirely his construct. Um, heal immediately after being hurt so obviously I am a cautious player uh, I ended up with lots of um, ampoules left by the end is it ampoule or ampoule mm. I'm not sure um, by the end <laughs> and health kits um, and another one is exceed maximum health limit which I didn't even know that was possible but obviously at once I guess it's you just keep healing even after you've maximum yeah you've got yeah. near or, or maximum it'll let you uh, keep using health potions even if it's right. like these full health yeah okay okay um so i did all those and do not do not try to return to the apartment um i don't even remember which apartment bit that is uh but anyway and do not stay close to maria so there's a yeah, couple of sections yeah. we haven't mentioned which are um sort of escorty um and there was one point where maria died which was actually me shooting her not the <laughs> monsters getting her um and I assume it means that if you don't over sprint <coughs> ahead of her, if you stay within a, an average yeah. certain distance, mm-hmm. um, you've you end up creating a bond with Maria that figures in the in the end game that you've actually somehow your connection with Maria is stronger, and so you get one of the other endings because you've kind of you've partly dealt with your remorse about your wife by by becoming connected to this sexy manifestation <laughs> of of her or something mm-hmm. like that anyway so my ending when the final boss is killed james talks one last time with mary in her bed after they're done talking mary gives james a letter and then passes on mm-hmm. a scene of laura and james walking up the path through the cemetery is shown while the letter is read aloud by mary it is believed that this represents james fulfilling mary's wish and adopting laura uh, and it is quite a long letter as well <coughs> and uh, yeah it's quite it's quite sweet um mm-hmm. But this brings us back to Laura. and um, I mean, again, perhaps I'm being dense, but I didn't quite, didn't have a quite, quite have a clear handle on whether mm. she was, uh, whether what she says about her being 
Mary's real life friend and Mary was you know they were like pen pals or something and or they or she visited her in a hospital yeah, or, yeah. and she wanted you know she'd kind of said oh I'd love to adopt you kind of thing mm-hmm. um and yeah I mean I guess it depends what ending you get but what about you fellas and Laura yeah I've only ever got that ending I it's because I oh, okay. I don't I don't try to I don't, with no games, really, I don't try to go 100% and see every... I've seen them on YouTube, you know, but I never... Yeah, sure. I can't... It's just something... Like you were saying, it's just the way you play. Like, I can't not mm. shoot these enemies, and I, sometimes I run by them, you know, like I said earlier, but it's just... Yeah. I, mean, I think that factors in, too, right? How many enemies you've killed, and especially how you've killed them, and... Um, right. But Lara, I always kind of took as... I, I can't. I can't figure out if she's a manifestation at all like i kind of figured she was supposed to be a legit character i don't know how she got there <laughs> and how mm, she uh, mm, evaded yeah, all the monsters exactly. or anything like that but i always took her as a more literal character um yeah it, it's interesting how you know how key she is to that ending that that sean mm-hmm. and i have both got um and the fact that the the theme music you know is named after yeah. her makes makes me feel like she had greater significance i was expecting uh, because I knew the new, I knew the name of the theme, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I didn't know everything about the endings. I was expecting some astonishing reveal about yeah. Laura's <laughs> true origin, um, but you know, having had a look at the endings, um, that's you know that seems to be the one where it's you know it's most. It, she's most relevant you know mm-hmm. where james possibly effectively adopts her i mean the, the other you know other endings are where he ends up with maria but maria um she's maria sick. coughs yeah. she's sick implying that, that you know he's doomed to repeat his fate which is obviously a classic horror or mm-hmm. nightmarish trope um the in water ending mm-hmm. uh is uh interesting but I'm not. Yeah, it doesn't really. In it doesn't offer much enlightenment. Yeah, about. yeah. For me, it's the least satisfying one because it's just the easiest way to. I feel like end this story. I've, I I kind of yeah. like the the Lara ending the most because, in my opinion, uh, he doesn't deserve to get out of this. Like after what he did, because I don't. I, I I know we were saying earlier it could have been, you know, a euthanasia thing, but I think there's too much evidence throughout the story that provide that they provide to say that he's done this out of selfish reasons um so that's interesting in this in in that ending that you and i got the yeah. leave ending it's out. actually in that that she well but yeah and she actually says um yeah she actually mary says in this final uh speech or letter um yes yeah, in the in the final exchange mm-hmm. she says you know i asked you to kill me yeah she's quite yeah, she's yeah. quite plain about that so so it's it's where again whether you take that he's an unreliable narrator yeah so totally. we don't we don't even know that he could that could be the game falsifying the situation mm. for for james's appeasement or mm. something like that uh the rebirth ending mm. uh is the one where he um well theory the theories go that he, he's trying to he's actually um, he's going to the a church or an altar in Silent Hill to try to resurrect yeah. Mary. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I yeah, I really don't like that mm-hmm. ending because yeah. it feels yeah. too much like what the first game was mm-hmm. going for. Yeah. And I much rather 
I much I much prefer the personal kind of mm. just coming to terms with what he did and kind of moving past it that the other endings represent, or in the case of the Maria ending, kind of continuously reliving that trauma over and over again. Yeah. Um, whereas this one, it's going too far into like the fantasy craziness of the old gods. Let's give birth to this child god again or something like that we're going to talk about silent hill 3 uh, at some point that yeah that comes up um but um yeah i i don't like this ending at all and yes as we say there are there, there are two potentially two silly endings um the ufo ending which is a sequel to the first game's ufo ending uh, is only available in the um the director's cut or the um whatever they called it in japan the last song version um and the pc version um, you can go for that if you want, um, but yeah, it's, it's just really fascinating how they how they did the requirements for all these, and obviously there's no clue to any of it nope. <laughs> in, in the game whatsoever. Um, yeah, I mean, to, it's again as with the previous game, you start again, you find a gem in the first location, which you have to use in certain locations to get certain things to happen, and da 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 da. There's also a ream of unlocks that we haven't got time to go in for, including. Um, one that m- makes illegible text legible, um, unlockable weapons like uh, again chainsaw, chainsaw and, yeah. uh, health uh, item, um, yeah, lots of lots and lots and lots and lots of Easter eggs that are well worth looking up if you're into the game and probably the biggest fans of the game already have. But it's all that stuff that it's nice to know it's in there. Um, very quickly on Born from a Wish, the the extra scenario, which is a fairly brief hour long and a bit maybe uh, affair I just decided to absolutely rattle through this because I was running short on time I played it on beginner combat setting and I I don't feel I lost anything of the experience from doing that Um, just meant I had to shoot enemies three times instead of 300 (laughs) times Um, it's a strange it's a strange do it's very Mm -hmm. kind of quiet and uneventful in a lot of ways Um, and you end up fetching this white liquid for the figure of a man you never see whose daughter is missing um but as I say, that that stuff almost seemed by the by to me, unless I missed the point of it. The key thing for me is here you are playing uh, a bonus scenario as a character who you believe to have only been created to exist yeah. for James James Sunderland's game. So yeah, it's I don't know how how I feel about yeah, that really. I feel the same way. I kind of I kind of wish it just didn't exist because I don't. I feel like they try to set it up, especially at the end where he's he warns her about James, and if yeah. if she is, I mean, she has to be a manifestation, especially if she looks exactly like his wife, you know, all that stuff, and and just yeah. for that, it feels like this DLC or DLC. This, yeah, I, I wanted to call it that as well. Yeah. <laughs> this uh, expansion it is, will be now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because um, she considers, she contemplates suicide right at the yeah. end, and then throws her throws gun her away, gun. which is frankly idiotic. Yeah. But then again, I suppose if she's a manifestation, then she's kind of immune. So why has she been going around shooting the monsters yeah. in the first place? And yeah, it doesn't really, uh, it didn't really satisfy me. It, it kind of raised more questions than answers. Yep. Um, but it was it. The good thing to know is that it was made by the same team. I mm-hmm. believe it wasn't. It wasn't cobbled together by you know randoms who just went. I know it'd be cool. <laughs> um, yeah. So I guess it does fit in somehow in the minds of the creators, and that makes it easier to take from my point of view. Yeah. Right. We must hear from some of our correspondents. Um, let us begin with the opinions and experiences from com slash forum of uh, Tadinho. 
Right, so Tadinho says, The opening to Silent Hill 2 is something I'll never forget. It starts with a creepy man looking at a mirror of a creepy bathroom while even creepier music plays in the background. You then leave said bathroom and James starts his monologue about a letter he received while a very melancholic version of the theme Promise plays. It may not sound like much, but this scene perfectly captures the game for me. From that moment, the mood is set, and you know you're in for something different than your usual video game. While I define Silent Hill 1 as oppressive, I think Silent Hill 2 is better described as unsettling. The horror in this game will rarely make you jump, but instead, it will make you constantly look behind your shoulder and ask yourself if you really want to keep playing. The way the game gets under your skin so easily is by using a technique few games try called subtlety. Nothing in this game is overblown or thrown in your face. This was what made the story so memorable, the monsters so disturbing and the music so fitting. The game prefers to rely on its details and symbolism. And oh my how the game loves symbolism to cue the player into what's really going on in the story. And not much else, since the few characters you meet all seem to be unreliable, to say the least. And a conversation with them can sometimes be more unnerving than any monster. The other thing this game does perfectly is handling its multiple endings, because despite giving no clue as to what you have to do to get them, no ending feels cheap and all are fitting conclusions to the story depending on the way you played the game. If the game has any big flaw, it's probably the voice acting that, while fine at the time, nowadays sticks out like a sore thumb. And even worse is seeing that somehow the new voice acting from the HD version ends up being worse than the original. If you can go over the VO though, Silent Hill 2 is still a masterpiece more than 10 years after its release, with a story, music and horror approach that hasn't aged a day, and a game I recommend to all lovers of storytelling in games to play. Thanks, uh, Daniel Gomez, aka Torino. So Knuckles, he says... Silent Hill 2 is easily one of my favourite games of all time. I'm sure anything I have to say about the gameplay or technical aspects of the game will be said in the podcast. I don't want to retread any ground here. I will say I absolutely loved the Silent Hill 2 soundtrack over the cacophony of noise that was the original Silent Hill soundtrack. What I do want to talk about is the amazing way in which this game tied to the first one, further establishing the rules of the world, something that I think wasn't fully addressed in the podcast. Silent Hill was about a town that was twisted by evil rituals done on Alessa Gillespie. The popular opinion is that these rituals caused the reality of the town to shift into her tortured nightmares, hence the nightmare school, the bloody hospital and the horror-filled fair. Every major location that featured a boss tied to some place that Alessa would logically have been. And it also makes sense that due to her odd nature, she was tormented by the other kids, nurses, doctors, etc. When Harry enters town, he basically is basically entering Alessa's dream world. So when he kills the demon, he's also causing the dream world to vanish. Now, for Silent Hill 2, the town was still amplifying nightmares into the real world, but this time it was amplifying the internal struggles of the people in the world as opposed to just one person. You can see this very clearly happen during the fights with Dorman and with Eddie. Dorman is the manifestation of Angela's sexually abusive father, hence his appearance as two figures on a bed. 
Uh, and her view of Silent Hill is a pulsating, quivering, hellish place that is constantly on fire, which I believe is a callback to her potentially burning her house down after killing her father. With Eddie, it's a little less clear how he sees the town. The most we get to see is a butcher's freezer during his boss fight. It's safe to assume that Eddie's view of the town is a rather violent butcher shop where everything is just a slab of meat. Another cool thing that got pointed out to me was how the letter begins to change towards the end of the game. Upon killing Eddie, the first actual human that James kills in the game, if you open up your inventory you'll find that the letter has turned into a blank piece of paper. Once you find out the truth that what James did in the hotel, if you look at the letter you find out that there was never even was a piece of paper to begin with. While the plot to Silent Hill can be very confusing, I really like how the game is so open to interpretation and deconstruction. If I had to pick out any flaw with the game as a whole, it would be that the side story featured in the director's cut really doesn't add much to the story. I found it to be rather disappointing after the mind-blowing finale to the core game. I still love Silent Hill 2 and hold it in high regard. I still try to play it once a year around Halloween, and I've gotten to the point where I can beat it in under four hours. As somebody who has a huge backlog and rarely replays games, that's the highest praise I can give. It's absolutely worth playing over and over again. So Knuckles, I like your theories. I like the idea that that may connect uh, game one to two. I don't know if I necessarily think that that's... It might be a certain amount of retconning from fan community, maybe? I don't know. Just my just my thought. Um that sometimes, uh, you know, communities around games can sort of create uh, connections where maybe there there weren't any in, in the author's intent. But if there are, I'd love to be told definitively and stand corrected. John? Okay, that girl says, I bought the game on day one. I was stoked ever since reading a magazine preview about it where they gushed over how compelling and scary it was. What intrigued me the most was the second game following a completely unrelated story and character. Harry was gone, and you are now following James Sunderland, who had received a letter from his wife asking him to meet with her at their special place. Since he believed her to be dead for the last three years since she had passed from a fatal disease, it set the tone for the dark and sad story that followed. I love the game's puzzles, but it was a story that grabbed me and still has me thinking about it all these years later. As I played through the game, I thought, through a lot, thought about a lot of things. The troubled characters that you came across caused me to question who James really was and why he was there. What had he really been doing all these last three years? Was he the one that was really dead, or maybe he didn't know it? Was Maria's outfit based on one worn by Christina Aguilera? Parentheses, Christina Aguilera's middle name is Maria, by the way. Why were you being chased by this giant pyramid-headed monster, who was made even more terrifying by him going after other monsters in the game? He was a thing that the things I was afraid of were afraid of. Everything was dark, grim, and scary. By the time I had gotten to the hotel portion of the game, I wasn't playing the tortured hero who couldn't let go of his long-dead wife. I was playing the person who had just killed her. She didn't die three years prior. She had just gotten sick then. He was repressing the memory of smothering her with a pillow. There was never any letter. I immediately replayed the game to pay closer attention and to make sure there was nothing I missed. Mm. Next up, we have an email, which is always nice, and he sent it to podcast at canarince.com. Josh. So Dan Buckham says... I have nothing but admiration for the story, a heart-wrenching tale of sadness and despair that has yet to be rivaled. It's easy to forget how original the narrative was back then, and how expertly delivered the plot ended up being. The atmosphere is unparalleled, even by Silent Hill 3, which was great in of itself. So many moments stand out aside from the obvious, the noises of the Silent Hill Historical Society prison cells, the journey to retrieve the great knife from Red Pyramid Fing's lair, 
and the walk up to the final confrontation with Mary Maria in the rain, which is in stark contrast to the darkness which preceded it. I would say that the atmosphere Team Silent created is unlike other games in the way that the soundtrack is easily as important as the visuals. Akira has come up with the finest soundtrack to a video game ever created. The only other one that even comes close for me would be Halo. The voice acting, Guy Chihi as James in particular, whilst not Oscar-worthy, is somehow perfect. Don't know if I'd agree with that. <laughs> As demonstrated by the HD Collection's alternate uh, voiceovers, which were more professional but missed the mark in my view. It is a game I play and enjoy every year, and it's difficult to see it ever being beaten as my favourite game of all time. Yeah, another, another regular replayer. There's, we've had a few, a recurring theme. The Reviewist. He says, like many people, I lost my Silent Hill virginity to Silent Hill 2 rather than the original game. I was introduced to it one dark and spooking evening in 2005 by my PlayStation 2 owning girlfriend of the time. I was utterly captivated by the dismal foggy world presented to me and the strange shambling, melted and contorted creatures that seemed to vanish in the fog. In the end, I only played as far as the apartments where the leggy mannequins and pyramid head made their first appearance, as the relationship and thus my access to the game both ceased but this at least spurred me into buying my own PS2 and beginning the series from the start, which either coincidentally or manifestly ensured that my love affair with Silent Hill was more permanent than any romantic liaison I've had since. As I'm sure is a common enough sentiment, Silent Hill 2 is, for me, one of the greatest games ever created. Its perfect balance of gnawing under-your-skin horror, uncomfortable eeriness and twisted but still sound logic, combined with gaming mechanics which are just imperfect enough to make sure it's always a challenge without feeling unfair. The story is also undeniably brilliant. While Silent Hill 1 tried to throw everything from Jacob's Ladder to the Mist and a whole host of complicated but unclear story threads into the mix, giving way to a convoluted and largely best ignored storyline, Silent Hill 2 tells a clear and simple story with a very slow reveal, and simply piles on layers of psychological horror and subtle cluing imagery from the opening moments of James staring into the mirror to his final confrontation with whichever incarnation of his object of affection the player has unlocked. The game began to truly amaze me around the midpoint where the converging stories of the second, secondary human characters, Laura, Eddie and Angela, with each of their individual stories hinting at some darker aspect hidden beneath the simple tale of a man searching for his dead wife. The beauty of James Sunderland's journey is that it's ultimately a simple, unreliable narrator story with an M.R. James-like final reveal, but draped in suggestive psychological archetypes and realised in aesthetics that are drawn from sources as varied as the sculptures, sculptures of Hans Belmer and the painted works of Francis Bacon. Another aspect of the game which also impressed me in no end was the implementation of the alternate endings. Drawing on tiny player interactions and innocuous seeming inventory items, the game's judging of the player's feelings for Mary and Maria, leading to various end narratives, was a masterstroke. One which hasn't been repeated in nearly enough games since. It's simply a masterpiece, and one that should have been played by anyone interested in game design at least once. Of course, it's not without its flaws. Some of the pacing is a little lax, a couple of the puzzles seem a tad daft, and of course the voice acting is mediocre at best. Still, this doesn't change the fact that it stands head and shoulders above pretty much any other horror game ever made, and easily remains the best Silent Hill game ever made. So says the reviewist. That's his take on it. Um, we normally uh, step away from 
hyperbole this is the best this or the best that but um i felt that uh the amount we had of similar comments from people like the reviewist saying um and and just the general sense i get that the amount of people who have said that silent hill 2 is their favorite mm. their subjective preferred silent hill 2 game is that um there's a very wide opinion that you know it's kind of the definitive game in the series and yeah remains so even after all the sequels that we've still got to play for this series of podcasts <laughs> maybe yeah. we should have just stopped there no, i think it would, i genuinely think it'd be interesting to to play the others and see maybe you know maybe if if, if we feel the same way why why the series peaked mm-hmm. when it did um, but thanks everybody for your contributions as always don't forget to get your uh, contributions in in plenty of time keep your eyes on the forum we record well ahead of podcast release dates um, recently had some correspondence sent to our uh, email address podcast at com, which has arrived a week after we've, we've recorded the, the relevant show so please watch out for that because we don't want, want, want you uh, wasting your efforts so um, check into com slash form regularly and there's always a thread up there um, relating to the next game we'll be covering and post post your thoughts there or get the email in nice and early as I say uh, Twitter is easier to handle um, I don't think we had as many three word reviews for Silent Hill 2 as we might have done had we not been recording on a weekday but there it is uh, we've got some we've pared them down as it is anyway uh, to some of the most pertinent or enjoyable ones Okay, so Dave Salad says, very, very foggy. I do want Dave Salad to actually be called Dave Salad. <laughs> I, hope, I hope that's his real name. I didn't. I don't know if Salad is. A, it might be Salad. <laughs> anyway, Johan Melmgren says, thoroughly depressing experience. <laughs> Tweets of Rage says, memorable video gaming experience. Josh Crow says, world's slowest combat. You died, says Bleak Lynchian Nightmare. Uh, Simon Cole says a miasmic masterpiece. Alabaster Mage says psychological horror perfection. Thanks, everybody. As always, follow us on Twitter at Canerince and look out for our shout of hashtag CRTWR. That's it, yes. Uh, so I think you've got the general gist, but we always like to wrap up with some sort of summary. Um, I'm going to go first because um, I think... Even though I really like this game, I'm probably going to be the most critical of it. Um, And that's not to detract from anyone who has called it their favourite game of all time, who says they play it every year, who thinks it's a masterpiece. I completely understand that. It may be that because I've played it 13 years after the event, after umpteen abortive attempts, it's lost something for me. But that's not to say I don't think it's a really worthwhile experience i find the the audio visual side absolutely captivating um as as horrific as it is i love the enemy des- enemy designs i love the grittiness and griminess of the world yamaoka's uh audio is just astonishing again um and indeed as discussed at length i think the story here and the ideas are go they go deep and they go dark and i think that's a wonderful thing and it was truly ambitious for the time um ahead of its time in a lot of ways um yes some of the things that that have been highlighted by the correspondence such as the way it um, measures uh, your performance to tie into the ending um, sounds like something uh, you know something akin to what we're we're hopefully going to find in Shattered Memories when we do mm. that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it was it was ahead of its time. The the stat tracking, the the unlocks, the secrets, the Easter eggs, and all that 
um, all adds a lot. But but particularly the fact that you can purely based on how you play, um, which may even tie into how you interpret the story, um, you can end up with one of four. Uh, you know, depending on how you feel about them, some some of these endings may be more or less satisfying. Um, but they're all they're all the real end to your story. And then there's the dog ending, and that is amazing. And uh, <laughs> I've only ever seen it on YouTube, and I'm sure I only ever will. But uh, I love it, and I love the music that goes with it. And the UFO ending, um, yes, I like the fact that it has, after all this bleakness and horror, uh, they still uh, display this um, uniquely uh, quirky sense of humour at the end. But I cannot deny that, as with Silent Hill 1, but to a lesser extent, although here the audio... So, uh, the, although here the the visual side is is far less of of a of a barrier a hurdle to play, uh, I do still find the gameplay um, a bit creaky in a lot of ways and of its time. Um, the actual you know perambulation, the locomotion, walking um, James around as opposed to Harry is is definitely smoother. It's definitely easier just to. Uh, just to get from door to door and going from room to room but you still have regular and frequent loading pauses you have confusing corridors with lots of rooms that you can't go in lots of trying of locked doors Um, some I think on normal difficulty and if you don't remember that you have to press the button harder or or pick up a a harder weapon the, the melee combat can be wearying um and yeah I'm afraid uh, I don't believe the voice acting is in any way adequate to convey the depths and the emotion of what is a really fascinating story. So it comes up to me as as a really important, obviously, game, a game that's obviously hugely important to a lot of people. I really like a lot of things about it, um, especially the overall atmosphere. Um, but I don't think, again, I couldn't recommend it, recommend it to a player of contemporary video games without the caveat that it may, to actually play it, to go through these random obscure puzzles and do the... The fact is what you spend eight of your nine hours playing it, this is the actual walking around and opening doors and picking up items and, you know, the video game. It is ultimately, that is what it is. It's not a two-hour interactive story. And I think there has to be that caveat. Interestingly, there is uh, a thing on YouTube called Silent Hill 2, the movie, where somebody uh, has edited together quite beautifully um, scenes from the game, including gameplay um, and the cutscenes, and used music from the games uh, and from the fan community and tied it all together into like a, a feature. Um, and I'm not saying, I don't think you should watch that instead of playing a game because you can't beat being in there, in it, and feeling mm. tense and nervous but I think it's an interesting take on it. If if you're made, I, I don't actually. I haven't seen how they tackle the endings. I'm not sure whether they go with one or or they give you the option. But anyway, that's that's interesting and that's out there. But I, I would still recommend it, but with with caveats. Sean, um, I haven't played every horror game ever, so I can't say it is definitively the best horror game. But it is 100% my favorite horror game that I've played. Um, it's it set the bar for me uh, in terms of the story and uh, atmosphere and sound, all of the above. Silent Hill ha- itself hasn't topped it since, and for me, um, not to jump ahead, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I totally agree that the voice acting is rough, and to say the least, and the combat can be wonky and all these things. But I mean, for me, it just none of that ends up bothering me somehow. It just it all mm. ends up being this kind of dreamlike, as someone said earlier, Lynchian kind of story that all ties in and just so ahead of its time in so many ways. And yeah, it's, man, nothing tops Silent Hill 2 for me in terms of horror games, and I can't see that changing. Maybe it will, hopefully something will be better but yeah, yeah man it's uh it's always been my favorite and still is to this day so yeah excellent love to hear it and uh josh to conclude um because much like you leon i played this much later in the day than most people the the, the flaws of the game are sharper and more noticeable but i think it says a lot that in spite of the voice acting and some dodgy mechanics at certain points. Um, I kind of fell in, in love with the game regardless. Um, I just think the things that the game gets right, I can't think of many other examples of games doing it quite so well. I'm sure somebody will tweet me or email me after this and give me a whole list of things that really tackle these psychological issues but um, ultimately, for me, I think Silent Hill 2, especially when you consider when this game came out, is incredibly brave and um, ballsy and and really paved the way for some really mature storytelling. Does it execute it particularly well? Um, at times, yes, but uh, some of the voice acting really hampers uh, some of the really interesting things it's trying to do but the atmosphere the the environments the 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 art design the the music all of that stuff is of such a high standard that i'm willing to forgive the moments of awkwardness the moments of jankiness um i i think it's an incredibly memorable experience um and um and still to this day very unique even within the silent hill series itself i i just i having i haven't played all the silent hill games but i can only think of one other silent hill game that kind of attempts what silent hill 2 has done with its story um yeah, I despite it having aged, I I think I would recommend this to uh anyone who hasn't played this before just because those qualities, the things it does get right, it does so well that I think newcomers would be willing willing to look past its flaws. So yeah, ultimately I see this as a flawed gem, but um yeah, uh, I absolutely adored it. Lovely. Glad to hear it. So, just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Josh and Sean and to tell you that next time, with our customary turn of mood, uh, in issue 156, to paraphrase Taj, the controversial Indian elephant, we have something for you. It's Diddy Kong Racing! <laughs> <laughs>